Welcome to Beyond Distribution with GTDC Podcast. In today's episode, Frank Vitagliano, CEO of the GTDC, chats with Meg Brennan, who is the former VP of Global Channels at Riverbed and a member of the GTDC's Vendor Advisory Council. Meg shares her thoughts on the benefits of software vendors partnering with a channel to help with their go-to-market strategy. Meg and Frank also discuss dynamic changes in the industry, including workforce diversity and mentoring opportunities and the evolving world of digital transformation. Looking for more valued industry resources and additional podcast episodes? Visit the GTDC Knowledge Hub at www.gtdc.org. I hope you enjoyed this episode and don't forget to rate and like. Welcome everybody uh, to our next edition of Beyond Distribution. I am thrilled today to have Meg Brennan, uh, VP of Global Channels uh, from Riverbed Technology with us. Meg, welcome and thanks for joining. Yeah, thanks for having me, Frank. Yeah, so Meg um, has been part of our um, GGDC uh, Vendor Advisory Council really since I've been here. So it's, you know, two, three years, I guess now. And um, so has really been instrumental in helping us kind of shape the agenda and the activities. Uh, and we appreciate your involvement, Meg. Um, so I thought what we'd do is start by, you know, getting the audience and actually me to know you a little bit better. So tell us a little bit about yourself. What was your first job in the industry, you know, et cetera? Sure, sure. So um, I am VP of Channels at Riverbed Technology. And basically what that means is that I take care of all of our core of global channel functions. So strategy, programs, operations, enablement, go-to-market, you know, all of our incentives, things like that. And um, I've been there about seven years, just seven years this month. And um, it's a great company. We are focused around unified, unified observability. And what that means is, you know, we help our customers see every digital interaction, whether that's on the network or whether it's with a employee or whether it's through a customer. We can help see that and improve it. So Riverbed's known for accelerating the network. And that's one of the things that we can see is where things need to be accelerated, not just on the network now, on applications on the cloud, and we can accelerate that as well. So it's an exciting place to be. I have been in the tech industry really almost my entire career. Uh, my very first job, I worked for a company called Quark, which is still around. Um, and I was one of several temps that were hired. Uh, they were doing a major upgrade where we wrote down all the orders and faxed them over, you know, manually faxed them. And um, soon after I was hired full time and I actually sat on a dealer sales line. So I was answering calls and taking orders from, from uh, Ingram and Maricel. So wow. So that was my first introduction to the channel. I was probably 22 or 23 years old. You know, uh, I thought I was the only person in the industry that still faxed, that remembered things being faxed. So that's, I'm glad to hear there's somebody else there, but of course you did it at a pretty young age. So yeah, that's great. Um, you know, Meg, one of the things that uh, I, I think is really important um, and it's becoming increasingly important are all of the DEI initiatives that, you know, are going on in the industry. And I know you're very involved, um, you know, with women in the channel and, you know, just in your role as a senior executive, you know, in the channel, um, what is some of the, you know, advice you could share with other women 
that um, you know that are in the channel, either getting a start or you know trying to become more engaged and more involved in you know in what's going on. Yeah, and I am absolutely passionate about DEI across all all categories, but I do you know really as a woman, right? That's uh, what yep. hits closest to home for me, and um, you know I still remember you know, in my early jobs thinking, oh, I, I don't ever want to be, you know, like I'd be a, you know, a, a worker and I'd say, oh, I don't want to ever want to be a manager. And then I'd become the manager. Oh, I don't want to, like, I just always, you know, but once I got close to it, right, once I could see what the job was, I knew I could do it. And so what I would say is don't, don't eliminate things from, you know, your view, because it's likely that you can do them. No one is smarter than you. No one, you know, you just have to learn. Like once you learn that step right below, usually you're really close to getting to the next level. So think about that and make sure you don't just do good work. For a long time, I thought, oh, if I do really good work, keep my head down, people will recognize me. And the truth of the matter is that you have to tell people what you want. And I have an analogy, I can't remember where I heard it, but that, you know, executives sit above right? And everybody below has a, an umbrella over them, right? And so unless you lift your umbrella, they, they have no idea what's going on. So you have to somehow lift your umbrella, tell people what you're doing, even when it feels awkward. And even, you know, you try and, or, you know, you try and do it so that it feels less awkward or do it on behalf of other people. Women are really good at doing that. Um, and men too, right? Do something on behalf of somebody else to help them get recognized and everybody rises together. Yeah. I think that's great. That's a that's a that's a good analogy because you know you're right. Um, and plus, you know, the other thing is in the tech industry. Certainly, when I started, um, there just wasn't a lot of representation. I mean, they, you know, there were probably. I remember back at IBM in the in the you know early '70s or mid '70s, early '80s when I was you know getting started. It might have been ten percent, if that. Yeah. You know, and and certainly not in many of the real high level executive roles. And it's great to see where we've come from that, right? Um, but I would also say, and I've had this discussion with a lot of um, female, you know, high level female executives, um, you actually have to work it though. It just, it just hasn't evolved, you know, the way it the, naturally. And, and one of the things that I'm really happy to see uh, and I know you're involved in it is, you know, the work the channel company does with started with women in the channel and that's really exploded into an incredible uh, event. And, you know, I know you participate in that. Yeah? Definitely. I participate in that. And I think that they've had huge impact. So I think channel roles, especially at the executive level, um, you know, it's still not perfect, but there are a lot more women. It's not, you know, in the tech industry right now in executive roles, they say it's about 10, nine or 10% female. In channel roles, it's much greater. And I give a ton of credit to organizations like the channel company. Um, you know, I also sit on the board for uh, the BAPTI Channel Focus Women's Leadership Council, and they do a lot of good work there as well. Um, I yeah. think that these organizations really have moved the needle for women. Yeah, I think they have. And the other thing that, that it enabled, which wasn't as easy to do, was it enabled the collaboration among the female executives in the in the in, you know in the industry, and that's that's important, right? Because then you had a forum to sort of get together and share stories and talk to each other and 
and um, learn from you know each other's uh, experiences, mistakes, or or positive activity, right? So yeah, and and it allowed women to develop networks. Yeah. So where you know it can be very hard, right, to do that kind of out of work networking when you have small children, when yep. you know things things like that, and so those sorts of activities, you know, I mean, I know for me now, I know all of these women that I've met through all of these events. And if I need, um, you know, a new leader for operations, I probably know someone or somebody else that I know in my network needs somebody, I probably can recommend someone. And, you know, before it was kind of hard to, hard to find those people. So it really does help that network really helps us with our careers. Yeah. The network piece is really important. You know, people are shocked that, you know, in such a massive industry that we play in, it's really pretty, pretty, pretty small in terms of, you know, the networking and you do, I mean, you know, like for example, when we were at our event, um, we had 50, I think it was 53 vendor executives and um, next year when we have it, we'll, we'll probably have more than that. But what happens is everybody kind of knows each other yeah. you know? and, and, you know, they've met, they've talked, they've had similar experiences. I found over the years that the relationship piece is the most significant and really most important part of the role. And you mentioned it earlier. Um, you know, I did the same thing. I used to think if I just put my head down and do my job, things will play out well. Yeah. And that has to happen. That's kind of, you know, the, the basis <laughs> of all of it, yeah. right? But there has to be more. And the more has to be the networking, the getting involved in the groups, mentoring, you know, and I think that's really important too. So Yeah. And absolutely, I think you have to ask for and tell people what you want, where you want to go, and whether that's a conversation with your manager or your mentor um, or sponsor is to say, hey, here's where I think I want to go. What do I need to do to get there and get really listen to their advice? Yeah, Um, because you can get there. Yeah, yeah, no, terrific. Well, good. So um, let's transition over to the business piece of it now a little bit. So you mentioned, you know, Riverbed and and what Riverbed does trans, transforms data into actual uh, you know actionable insights accelerates performance. You've been involved in the cloud you know forever, right? Um, and and so uh, and the software side of it, and you've seen you know that transition. And you mentioned digital transformation, mm-hmm. which you know at one point I kind of felt like was becoming an overused, you know, term. Everybody want to talk about digital transformation. But the truth of it is, it has been incredible what we've gone through. And you guys have been at the forefront of that. So tell me a little bit about that and your thoughts relative to that and what's transpired over the last, you know, couple of years relative to, you know, where we're going and where we're at. Yeah, I I agree that, you know, I felt the same way about digital transformation, right, being an overused term, but it's absolutely true, right? What companies are going through to move from on-prem to the cloud is um, a huge shift in the way business is done. And of course, we all know the pandemic, you know, dramatically accelerated that. I mean, we have technology that allows, uh, you know, companies to see what's happening, uh, you know, with their employees. And, um, you know, they can see if the laptop's working well, they can see if it's performing or if the employee has an issue with performance. And, you know, we would, if we wouldn't have had that five, six, seven years ago, um, and, you know, with that shift to everybody working from home during the pandemic, right, tools like that were vital. And, you know, it, you know, along the line, all of those tools really have helped, um, 
And I don't think we're going back to the office, by the way. I think that, um, to be honest, you know, it's allowed for more diversity in employees, right? So you can have employees where commuting could be very difficult, whether that's a, you know, parent or whether it's somebody with a disability or somebody who lives further away from the offices. I mean, when I was in working out of the San Francisco office regularly, we had employees commuting, you know, three hours round trip every day. Mm. They will not do that anymore. Like they just will not. So um, I think that the digital transformation um, is only accelerating more now. So pandemic accelerated it. Oh my gosh, chat GPT and the capabilities of AI and machine learning um, I think we, I think the world is going to look dramatically different in probably three years. It's already starting to look different. Yeah. 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 I, yeah, I, I agree with you. I think, um, I think the hybrid approach is, is clearly the right approach. Um, because I, I have experienced the exact same stuff that you have where it was just, it just was hard for people. Um, and there was no break because, you know, you, you know, you, you got an hour hour commute, which is you know probably more normal than three, but you know that typically meant you know you're on the road at six thirty seven o'clock in the morning. You don't get home till six thirty seven o'clock at night, and your life seems to be just consumed by that, right? Yeah. Um, but um, one of the questions I would have relative to that is, and I think I know the answer, but I want to talk to you a little bit about it. So, in terms of younger folks who are kind of getting started in the business. And one of the things that, you know, we were able to experience is there is some camaraderie, there is some, and certainly advantages of, you know, being in an office and being around people and talking to people and doing that. So what are your thoughts there? Do you think that that is, you know, we're going to lose that or are there other ways to sort of, you know, mitigate the, the issues associated with that? I don't, think that we will ever have that in the way we used to. Yeah. So, which kind of makes me sad because that is one of the things I've loved about being in an office. Um, And I do think it's wonderful to, you know, have those relationships. It's hard to find a mentor virtually. Right. Right. So, but I have been remote now for more than 10 years and I have, uh, I manage a team that's been mostly remote the entire time I've been at Riverbed and uh, even before that. So, I think it's doable. You can have a good team culture. Um, you just have to be intentional about it. Yeah. And you have to really think about, you know, touching base more frequently because you don't see people in the, co- you know, get, getting a coffee together. You have to, you know, kind of almost artificially touch base. And tools like Slack and, you know, other instant messaging tools help a lot. Um, and, you know, you kind of have to create mentorship programs so that people who wouldn't normally have that mentorship get it. Um, And I, you know, if you can get together in person for a few days, it helps. It helps. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good point. So basically your your point is you got to work it and you got to work it just like you'd work anything else, but now you know the environment you're working in. So therefore you adjust to it. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. It's just a different approach. It's just a different approach. Um, And, you know, good managers are good managers. They stay in touch with their employees and employees stay in touch with each other. Um, I, you know, I have a great team and, you know, we've all been remote and we all really like each other and we all really get along and so we celebrate. Unfortunately, we don't get to go out for drinks, you know, frequently, but we celebrate birthdays and things like that still. Yeah. You know, it's funny you said that last point, because I was thinking about my early days 
um, we, we, there used to be, I was in downtown Boston and, and there used to be, I, I think it was a Houston's or I forget the name yeah. of the, the bar, but every night there would be folks there kind of hanging out for a while before yeah. they either took the train home or whatever. And so you kind of, we've, we've kind of lost that, but that's what the events are for, right? That's what the, uh, that, that's what the sales kickoff meetings are for and the, you know, quarterly sessions, if it makes sense to, you know, bring people in, that's what you have to do. To, yeah. You, know, you just really it. have to, you know, be intentional about it and, you know, get, get people together where you can, but where you can't, and you know, not every role is appropriate to go to a sales kickoff or things like that. Right. You just have to make sure that they feel connected. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, that's a good point. So um, in terms of your role, and mm -hmm. I'm familiar with it, obviously, having done it for three different companies. Yeah. Um, but it's challenging in this, you know, in, in this period we're going through because there's so much transition happening, so many things going on. Um, what are some of the focal points? What are some of the things that, you know, you're you're focused on in terms of either, you know, the technologies the, your program objectives, what, what what's happening uh, from that standpoint? Yep. Uh, so I would say we are heavily focused on getting those partners who are relevant to us and we are relevant to them, um, which is not every partner in our ecosystem, right. um, making sure they really know what they what we do, making sure they understand that we can help their customers save money right now, like, you know, by eliminating unneeded assets or reducing, you know, reducing the number of licenses for software, right? It's a simple thing, but if we can make sure that those, you know, and it's a small group of partners, right? It's the 80-20 rule. If we can make sure that 20% of partners who is close to us really knows that. Um, and then when they're having conversations with their customers, that they can identify opportunity, we can come in and really help. Um, so we, you know, have a very involved sales team. We're an enterprise level, um, you know, technology. So we're selling usually into the large medium enterprise. Uh, yeah. So we have a great sales team, great SEs. You know, if we can have partners who, who can start to identify those new um, opportunities, that'll be a huge win for us. Yeah. And, and um, you know, you mentioned the team and one of the things that, you know, I experienced over the years um, was I, you know, depending on the company you work for, everybody has a hybrid, for the most part, has a hybrid go-to-market strategy. Even if even if the companies kind of say they're all channel, they still have a direct touch sales organization. They might just deliver, you know, through the channel, yeah. right? But you guys have been part of the channel forever. And that's been part of the fabric of the way the company was was built. Talk a little bit about that. We are a channel first company and our preferred route to market is through distribution. Yeah. Um, and it saves us enormous amounts of kind of that GNA, you know, time and money and you know, just the basics of what a channel does for us is it just helps us go to market faster. Our deals that, you know, we have very few deals that ever go direct, but those take a lot more time than a deal that goes through a channel where all the credits already set up, all the, you know, licenses pass straight through, you know, pass through, straight through. Everything is just so much smoother when we do it through a channel. So even when, you know, and a significant amount of our business is business that we find, but our partners have the relationships. They know who to contact with the customer. They know how to get things done at the customer. And we need that. So 
Um, and our distributors, right, know the partners that work with those customers. So um, we definitely leverage our channel heavily. And we, you know, have been working more with our channel and really probably about 25%, 25 to 30% of our business now comes from the channel. So they bring the opportunities to us. Yeah. Yeah, that's great. And so, and so basically that's a business that's identified by the channel and it's kind of no touch business, I would assume with, you know, your, your folks. There's a touch. It just depends on the profile of the customer. Um, You know, we'll support absolutely wherever it's needed. Um, But, you know, if a partner can, can, you know, has the skills and can handle the entire sales cycle and ideally, right, go on to deliver customer success, we are delighted and we will reward them, you know, greatly for being able to do that. Yeah, that's great. So you mentioned, you know, you mentioned distribution, Mm -hmm. really the role of distribution, you know, has, is changing. Uh, And, you know, we've talked about that a lot. You you know, you, you guys, you you as part of the advisory council have, you know, provided uh, GTDC with a lot of input and the distributors, of course, either directly or, you know, through us. Um, For you guys, it's a little different though, because, you know, there's a lot of, you know, legacy companies, if you will, that started with, you know, hardware (laughs) and, you know, and then we saw a transition, right? Um, But in your case, that wasn't the case. Um, And, and so tell me why, what you see from the role of DISTI and sort of the evolution and some of the things that are really good and some of the things that they have to continue to, you know, work on to, to, you know, ensure that they are supporting you the way you would like to be supported. Yeah, absolutely. So Riverbed um, was originally a hardware company. Our WANOP technology was hardware, but we'd never have stocked it that I'm aware of at distribution. So we, you know, always have drop shipped. So we haven't leveraged that uh, warehousing, the, you know, pick pack ship function of distribution. Um, But we are, you know, absolutely evolving into a software and SaaS company um, over time. Uh, And I would say, you know, I mentioned before kind of the basic function of distribution really adds value to us. Um, you know, we do business only in US dollars, right? We use distributors around the world. They take that currency risk. They're right now taking financial risk, right? With not knowing what's happening with the economy. If they have net 60, you know, day terms, things could really change in 60 days. Yeah. And, you know, we're, we're grateful for that. We're grateful for that. They do it on very lean margins. I know because I've worked you know, closely with DISTI through my career. I work on very lean margins. And um, so that basic function is really good. They also do give us reach into, um, you know, managing managing partners that we just don't have the bandwidth to manage. We're not a huge company. We only have so many channel account managers in the field. And our really strong distributors are able to develop that next tier of partners, start to get them ramped up, um, start to, you know, pass through some new leads. So, you know, it's really, that's valuable to us as well. And then as we're evolving to be more of a SaaS company, um, you know, distribution, we're really looking at distribution to say, you know, what are they doing with other enterprise level vendors? How are they, you know, offering that flexibility? And, you know, how can they even just advise us on what we should be doing? Uh, Because they, they have that view across all the vendors and what works well and what, you know, what we could do better um, to be more partner friendly. And so, you know, we're looking at them for that. 
Uh, I would say we're probably not looking so much. We get, you know, we get a lot of input to do the DISTI marketplaces. And I think that those are a great fit for SMB products, but I'm not so sure they're a great fit for enterprise products where things are highly configured and, you know. Yeah. So something might be, might make sense as we start to go down market a bit um, to put some of our solutions out there that are better fit for kind of small enterprise where there's a broader uh, footprint. Yeah. Well, you know, one of the things, Meg, that we talked about at our event, and, and certainly you were there, is which is, by the way, another term that's about to get overused is ecosystems. I know. <laughs> that's, that's the next one, you know. Um, but it is true that, that it, it, there is an ecosystem out there. And you just started to talk to it about relative to, you know, certainly your partners, but there's also complementary vendors out there that you work with, right? Absolutely. And somebody has to kind of orchestrate all of that. And the notion, <clears throat> excuse me, that the distributors have become, you know, what we call now um, ecosystem orchestrators, I think is, is valid. It's legitimate. Um, and I, they're going to do it through their platforms. Obviously that, that becomes really important. One of the things I wanted to ask you about is the fact that I think the fact right now, I think the intelligence and the data that, that the distributors have is underutilized. In other words, oh, I don't think we're, you know, they're leveraging it as they could be. Um, and, and as they are all planning to, you know, because if you listen to um, some of the ones that have introduced, you know, their platforms, they would tell you, this is what we plan to do. But I think the data piece becomes really important. And obviously, yeah, for certainly an SMB, because there's just so many more customers and so many more transactions. Yep. But I think also at an enterprise level, it could be important. Oh, I, I, we leverage the data from distribution right now, yeah. right? Where, you know, if we're looking for, you know, who is the part, who is the partner that sells the complementary technology into this vendor? That's probably a partner we want to, into the customer. That's a partner we'd like to recruit. Yeah. So if they're, you know, on board with one of our distributors, they have a relationship. They can make an introduction. They can help, you know, provide our value proposition to that partner so that they know, you know, why we would be a good add to them, right? Because obviously they have their own business and, you know, they need to understand where we fit and how we can help them increase their profits. And um, I think distribution can help us do that. Uh, it's funny that you mentioned the data because I remember I had uh, a meeting with tech data probably 18 years ago where they were talking about the wealth of their data and how they needed to do something <laughs> Uh, I think, and so this would be advice I would give to distribution. They have incredible things that they do, incredible things that help vendors, that help their partners, and, and, and in the end, help the customers. They need to package it better. Yeah. So they need to package it better, offer it. Vendors will pay, right? We will pay for something that is a proven model that we know delivers value. Um, but sometimes we don't see the packaging. And, um, or, you know, as a smaller vendor, Right. It's sometimes hard for us to engage because things are very bespoke and the focus may be on the larger vendors. Yeah. Um, so if they well, can package things up for the kind of their longer tail of vendors, um, I think that, you know, more they will gain more traction. They will, they will have less risk because I think they're under, you know, extreme pressure from the hyperscalers, um, you know, in the market. And, you know, they'll 
they'll, they are becoming services organization. You know, that data right. and leveraging that data is a service. Um, I, and so if they can do that, you know, yeah. they will get further. Yeah, I totally agree. I think, and, and I think that's, that was the point I was on regarding platforms. I think the platforms is going to enable them to do that, right? Packaging, it doesn't have to be a marketplace, right? It doesn't no. have to be, but it's, but it's a platform because it's got to be done from a technology standpoint, right? Um, because I experienced the same thing, working with distributors as far back as, you know, 25 years ago in the PC space, um, you know, which of my customer, which of my solution providers and their customers are ready for a refresh cycle. Uh, well, that's data that we ought to have, right? Because we ought to know when, when the, you know, product was installed um, and what the, what that refresh cycle is. Extracting yeah. that data is hard sometimes because you have to have the process and you got to have the methodology to do it. And it can't be a sort of a random, you know, kind of a, yeah. Let's do it as a project kind of a thing, right? So I, I think you're right. But um, in the discussions I'm having with the distributors and what I see that's going on from an investment standpoint, clearly that's that's a focus. So I, I think yeah. that's so exciting. I think yeah. that's so exciting. And I'm I'm a total complete data nerd. So it you know just puts a smile on my face to think that I mean they've had years and years and wealth of data, right? That would tell us, I know it would tell us, hey, if a customer buy X, you know, X and Y, the next thing they're going to buy is Z and we better get there and make sure we're ready to sell them Z. Yep. Yep. Well, I think that's coming. I think, you know, um, there's a yeah. lot, there's a lot going on. One of the things that I know, and, you know, as we wrap this up, but one of the things that I know you've been in the industry for a long time, I certainly have. Uh, one of the fun parts of it is it does keep evolving. And there is just so much going on and, and it's exciting and it's a good place to be. And, you know, you've had a tremendous career here and, uh, and uh, you know, uh, it's been a, it's, I, I, I personally enjoyed, you know, the, the see that watch the transitions, but you got to stay close to it too, because they happen very quickly and you can get uh, away from you if you're not careful. They can, I think they can get away. And I think that the, you know, AI, I mean, you know, 90 days ago was the first day, you know, first time I ever touched chat GPT, yeah. right? And now it's everywhere. My son's in college, you know, they're using it and they're using it like not nefariously, right? They're right. using it legitimately. Yeah. And, um, you know, I was talking to another, to a marketing leader, a channel marketing leader, and she was telling me that she uses it almost every day, right? It just helps. It makes things faster, easier, when, you know, getting support from companies, you know, using those kind of technologies, I can't even imagine the ways that uh, that kind of smart technology, yes, it's scary, but used well, it's going to revolutionize the way that we interact with companies. Yeah, I totally agree. Well, well, Meg, look, I really appreciate you joining us today. Um, and I also, and I mentioned it, but I want to mention it again, really appreciate your involvement in our advisory council, uh, because that has been really helpful to us. Because one of the, you know, one of the issues you have, you know, in my role is you kind of step away from the day to day, you know, running the business. Sometimes you just can get out of touch quickly. <laughs> and when I get in a room with, you know, you and your, your peers on the advisory council, I get energized because the discussions are really relevant to what's happening in the marketplace. And that's really important. So I'd like to thank you for that. And also thank you for joining us. And uh, 
and uh, continued success. Thanks so much, Frank. I really do enjoy being involved with the GTDC. I learn something new every time we meet. So yeah. uh, thank you. Thank you for running it. And uh, it was nice to be with you today. Thank you.